It's not so much uh, a fact of, of manipulating the exchanges directly in the so-called spot market, but very often where these things happen would be where uh, futures are traded. That's where a trader of a financial institution is normally given amount of capital, and the trader is very uh, incentivized to earn certain profits for the company, uh, that's normally a bank, a life insurer, or a short-term insurer, and to make sure that, that both the company would uh, benefit and the trader would benefit, there's heavy incentives. But the important thing uh, with a forex trader is that very often they would find ways of leveraging uh, their positions. Obviously, a trader has to take a particular position and say that he expects that a certain currency will appreciate or depreciate against his local currency, against the dollar or against the rand or whatever the case may be. But the important thing is that futures position then gives him uh, a leveraged, a so-called leveraged position where his profits will be multiplied three, four times if things go according to plan. But sometimes it doesn't go according to plan. So that sets up the situation, but what then happens very often, if you read the the 10 most notorious cases about road trading, is that if things do not go according to plan and where the market just works against the position that the trader has taken up. Uh, A few years ago, we were fortunate to have Nick Leeson at one of our international banking conferences here in South Africa. And as Nick explained, you could hear from his talk that he was definitely not intent of doing any criminal activities, but it was definitely a matter of the market just went completely against him all the time, and he was doubling up his, let's call it, bets in the futures market. And eventually, you sit with this major loss to the financial institution, and you can only hide it for so long before it's discovered. So what happens uh, in, in some of these cases is that the person will try and, and, and get access to systems in order to cover up his position. So he'll try and get access to passwords or you'll uh, be in a position where he's trusted so much that he has not only the transactions that he's doing, but he's also got access to the accounting system where these things need to report. And that's one of the biggest mistakes any financial institution can ever make because now the trader can hide the problem that he has and this increasing loss that he's suffering because the market is going totally against his position that he's taken up. In one of the the most important cases uh, in the U.S., uh, it was uh, John Rusnak. Uh, He, in fact organized it with top management in the sense that he requested that he be given access or uh, an amount of money that they call uh, would be placed in a prime brokerage account. Now, normally prime brokerage accounts are given to um, your people working in hedge funds. So suddenly he had vast amount of capital to play with and then in the process, he once again experienced a sharp decline in the currency. He was particularly uh, hoping that the yen would strengthen against the dollar. That didn't happen, but because of the vast amount of capital, the loss starts running up to vast amounts, and it wasn't discovered because he could continuously hide away this uh, loss that he was accumulating. 
So it's, it's mainly in the futures markets uh, where they look at the future transactions and try and, and take up positions where these losses occur. Professor Marks, is this something that one person can do at one institution or do they need others at other institutions to be in on it as well? Most of the time, and that's where a rogue trader comes in, they operate on their own. But what, once again, what they could do is, especially in big corporate organizations multinational, with multinational operations and subsidiaries, they could very often set up uh, transactions with fictitious clients. So if the bank doesn't, and this is one of the new concepts in the financial institution, if they do not KYC, know your customer, and, and who the counterparty is that this trader is supposedly uh, doing these transactions with, then the, such an individual, a rogue trader, can get away with it for quite a while. So it's very important that there be good controls in place and, and that there's a segregation of duties to prevent this. But it could be done within subsidiaries so that the counterparties are very often other subsidiaries of the same company. In, in some cases, it could call for collaboration with other financial institutions. I think the interest rates manipulation in London a few years ago was a typical example where they had to collaborate between financial institutions. But mostly, in, in, in most of the cases where road trading takes place, it's very often an individual that has to make superior profits and eventually builds up a biggest team within the company is seen as, as, as one of the greatest gifts to the company and, and top management trusts this trader too much because he's earning such superior returns that they very often throw a blind eye and say, well, as long as he's making good money and he's bringing in good profits for the firm, leaving to carry on. And that's very often exactly where the problems start happening. So, so what sort of culpability then should accrue to the banks? Because surely they benefit from this. And also, if you look at the case of Jason Katz, the fact that he's been doing this for about six years, why did it take so long to detect? Yeah, it's purely a matter of the, the financial institution's own internal controls that's, that's not up to standard. Um, that's the only way they can get away for, with it for so long. And it's all fine to say that banks will benefit from it, but banks and the financial institutions very often suffer as a result of that. If I take the talk by Nick Leeson, uh, it, it was clear that eventually they just couldn't hide the losses, and eventually Bearings Bank in, uh, back in 1995 uh, suffered a loss of $1.3 billion U.S. dollars. That equates to about $827 million down sterling. So it's not always beneficial to the bank. Very often it could lead to the demise of the financial institution if these losses become so big. So, um, but to answer your question, it's normally a matter of, of, of being able to manipulate systems and there's inadequate risk management processes in place and, and, and a lack of information integrity to pick up and diagnose what exactly is going on. The other thing, of course, is that futures trading can become very complex depending on the many positions that the trader takes up and, and even to the auditing guys in the financial institution. 
it's difficult to understand exactly what the trader is doing here and to, to check up on the trader all the time. So the only way you can, can, can really catch out such a trader quickly is to have very superior information systems and to have very specific controls in place. It's, it's not a matter so much of the central banks controlling uh, the, the, the commercial banks. The, that's the last thing a, a commercial bank would want is more regulation. They're already over-regulated, and the cost of compliance is running into billions. Uh, in South Africa alone, the banks have to comply with more than 180 different acts. But I think if a, a financial institution is good at its risk management and its internal controls, uh, then I think it could be detected a lot earlier. But if those are lacking, the mm. trader will get away with it for several years. But this is, for calling it what it is, it's corruption. And, and, and what needs to be done to root out this sort of corruption within the sector? Because some would say, if you look at banks and, and, and what they do and what they seemingly are able to get away with, they are corporate super citizens. Definitely corporate super citizens, and, and you and I and, and all our listeners probably all have bank accounts, so it's a really sensitive topic. We don't want to lose our savings and wake up one morning and learn <laughs> that our that bank can has happen. gone down. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, what in, in terms of uh, the Bank of International Settlements in Basel has suggested to central banks and, and, and financial institutions worldwide to, to implement the Basel guidelines, and, and there's several good things in there to, to protect the sustainability of financial institution. And, and one of the things is that the Bank of International Settlements, in terms of the Basel requirements, require that banks then ring fence this trading activity so that it's isolated and so that the money of savers at banks are not used for these uh, and, and let's call a spade a spade for, for speculation purposes. Because initially with futures, it started out to be purely a hedging instrument to protect you against adverse movements in stock exchanges, in forex, in interest rates, and so on. But banks soon realized that they could make a lot, of, lot more money out of that than out of saving the accounts of individuals and giving mortgage loans and so on. So in terms of Basel, at least banks are encouraged to rethink that speculation and not to use the money of people who have deposits with the financial institution.